Hey, it's Karen Hunter from the Karen Hunter Show on Sirius XM Urban View. Here's a highlight from today's show. And this woman has pivoted. She um, was out there doing a lot of things, and then she made a decision to do something else. She took a leap of faith, and she's going to talk about it. And literally, it is a picture book that she has chronicled this leap of faith in a spoonful of faith. Let me welcome to the show. Miss Gina Holiday, what a name! Welcome. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Well, good to <laughs> good to have you. Um, first of all, the book is beautiful. You are, uh, I guess, this is one of your skills, an illustrator. You, you do. Yes, this? I'm. An, yes, I'm an illustrator, a professional illustrator. I initially I started out just doodling, and it kind of turned into this whole business. And so. Yes, you can call me a professional illustrator. <laughs> now, um, A Spoonful of Faith is a children's book. It's a ch- yes. Okay. Um, so, yep. So I actually, the name Spoonful of Faith is also the name of my illustration company. Um, but then I worked on a book called The Spoonful of Faith just as a way to encourage parents as well as their children to have a conversation about believing in themselves and having faith to go after things now i i thought we were gonna get religious but so tell us your faith your faith journey uh of, you know what was your pivot and how did you end up doing this yeah i mean so i actually did grow up in a very religious household so my dad was a minister i grew up like in church every weekend but actually when i was about 20 25 or so um or actually about 18 is actually when I totally completely walked away from my faith. Um, I didn't really have a good relationship I felt with God. Um, And it wasn't until I was about 25 years old that I started to kind of have my own personal relationship. Um, All right. So wait, wait, pause, pause. You grew up a preacher's kid. Yeah, I did. I I often say, I often say, because I grew up down the street from a pastor uh, and his kids were wild as hell. (laughs) (laughs) i was like what is happening you know but you know and and i in college i was best friends with somebody whose dad was a preacher and it's like i in um in that environment you get to see all the hypocrisy play out right so yeah so pulpit sunday at home whatever's going on and it doesn't line up so your kids are like this is a bull crap this is bull yep. crap i'm gonna do whatever so so then you start to question everything was that was that what happened gina no disrespect to yeah. anybody no no disrespect at all um you know everybody's doing the best they can but absolutely when i turned 18 um i just was like i don't know if i buy into this like if this is real like then i want it to be real you know and so i really wa- i walked away from it for like seven years until I was wait, what did the walk away look like? Was it just like, <clears throat> ah, there's no God or what? I'm like, now you're asking. I'm like, you said it, we was wild. Uh, preacher kids be wilding. But um, it for me, it was, I did not attend uh, church um, anymore. And I kind of, you know, fell into just doing what I wanted to do. I was a college kid, you know, partying, hanging with my friends, whatever. Um, and I had no, you know, remorse about the way I lived during that time. And I think um, that's kind of what it looked like for me. I, my, and I just, I didn't really know what to believe. You know, I didn't know what to believe. I didn't know where to follow. I didn't know where to go. Um, Was there a conversation so- had with your preacher dad? Because I'm always, you know, it's best, <laughs> no, I'm, and this is a, a, important beyond you and your dad. 
mm-hmm. think, you know, black folk in general have a very schizophrenic relationship with religion from the standpoint mm-hmm. that, you mm-hmm. know, a lot of us grew up in the church. A lot of us still go to mm-hmm. church. But mm-hmm. a lot of us, if we had to be honest with ourselves, can't answer why, you know, mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. even in the process of, you know, yes, I believe and I'm going to, you know, heaven and Jesus mm-hmm. and all that. It's very rote. It's either very rote or very unconscious, meaning there's not a whole lot of deep thought. It's just something that you get up and you do like almost zombie like. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. But to have that that conscious like epiphany or whatever happened that that reverse road to Damascus where you're like, yeah, no. <laughs> Did you have a conversation with your dad? And you're just like, I'm deuced out peace. I'm not coming back. Or did you just yeah, did I it? mean, I think like my, my parents were, so I will say that my dad was a minister. He wasn't the main pastor of the church, but um, my parents were very like open to us actually having our own relationships with God. So they, kind of encouraged us to find him for ourselves. And um, although I don't think he liked that, we did talk about it. Um, and they just were like, we'll pray for you. And that's kind of how it was. But um, it was, I mean, when I kind when I came back, it was different because um, my parents told us that they kind of just took our hands off of it and said, God, if you love, you know, if you love them, you want them to be with you, like you find them. And so that was kind of, um, just the approach that they had to it, I would say. And I, I, that's not common. That's not common. I mean, I have a lot of friends that, you know, have very different experiences than that. So I'm super thankful that my parents were like that and are like that. Um, Cause that kind of helped me to be able to have my own personal walk and relationship. Okay. What did that look like? And I don't, we're going to get to a spoonful of faith because you <laughs> yeah. Know, yeah, this is not what's covered in the book, but you know, to get to a place where you sit down and craft something for children you know, there has to be a reckoning within yourself. So what was the process that brought you back? Was there a moment of something that happened in your life or a book that you read or, you know, a a video that, you know, somebody you saw on YouTube or something that's like, hey. Yeah, sure. There was a moment. Um, I had found myself in a place where I was just like, what is life? What is this? Like, why? I felt like I was in a rat race. I had a good job in marketing and I was good at my my work, but I wasn't fulfilled. And I don't think that you should have to be fulfilled in every piece of work that you do, right? Job is a job. But I just felt like there was something missing. And so I had kind of been asking these questions inside internally. Um, and there was literally a moment. And I, I would say that I've never felt like this before in my entire life, even though I had grew up in the church and like never felt this before. But there was a moment that I really believe God spoke to me. Um, and I say that, but it was not, e- not even necessarily like an audibly, but a knowing in my heart and spirit. These words were said, were, were said, and it was, why are you asking everyone else who to be, what to do, where to go, except the one who created you? And that was the moment that totally changed my life. It made me um, just, just blinders kind of came off of my eyes. And I was like, you're right. Like you're the creator. And so I just started to walk forward in this relationship with God as the creator. Um, And uh, with that, so many different 
religious things were broken off of me, you know, like you were saying about like just doing things as a form of doing them, um, just attending churches because everybody says what you're supposed to do, just, you know, saying amen and agreeing to things. And it really started this journey of like curiously seeking after the God, the creator. Um, so that was the moment that changed a lot of things for me. 866-801-8255. We're talking with Gina Holiday, uh, J-E-N-A uh, Holiday, two L's, uh, and spoonfulofaith.com is where you can check out all of the things that she's doing. Okay, so you're in your career, mm-hmm. doing your thing, and you say, I'm going to do this, children's book. What, what, was, what was that? <laughs> Um, I actually did not really want to do any children's illustrations. It's funny because um, people initially, when I started sharing my work, people just pegged me to do kids stuff. They're like, oh, you should draw this for my kids, like my family. And I was like, I, I just like to be free. I'm like, that feels like you're trying to trap me into something I don't want to do. So I actually, for uh, years, drew a lot of women. I would draw moms and like black motherhood, a lot of things around that idea. Um, but I actually just started to kind of think, you know, I do care about who's coming up after me. I'm a mom, you know, I have a five and a seven year old um, and I wanted to be a good example for my own daughter. And I'm like, I don't, there's a lot of conversations as a kid to have around faith. And there's a lot of things kids just won't understand about things that people believe. And I don't want to have these conversations be we're both sitting here clueless like we don't know let's start to bring some of this stuff into our everyday conversations our everyday walk and so that's um kind of the heart behind this because my mom had done that for us you know we grew up in a predominantly white um, neighborhood and my mom would affirm us every day she would tell us we were unique she would speak life over us and I'm like that is something that as I grew up I realized a lot of people didn't have it was not a common occurrence and this book kind of serves as that reminder um, and also a place where you could talk about these things with your kid in an easy way instead of um, making it like so hard or like you know, for them to understand. So Layla is based on your daughter? Yes. And that is her name too. Okay. So she's excited right. to she get to see book. herself. <laughs> yeah. So, what, what happened when you showed her this book for the first time? Oh man, she is my biggest cheerleader, like from the jump. So she, like, I actually filmed and recorded our um, unboxing of the book on my YouTube channel. So there is a video of it and she's more excited than I am to see it. Um, and she's just been glowing because she's like, that's me, you know, that's me. Um, so it's real. it's been really cool to see that. It's number one right now, uh, in new releases on Amazon. Did you know that? I, I did. And children's inspirational books because it, are there many children's inspirational books? As I'm looking at this category, it's like, where do we find inspiration for our children? And it doesn't say black children. It doesn't say number yeah. one in black. It's all children inspirational mm-hmm. books, which is number one in that uh, spoonful of faith. So that's amazing. It just came out two days ago. So what feedback are you getting uh, from the people who have read it so far? Yeah, so far, I feel like a lot of parents are... Um, just kind of excited to have something that 
encourages their kid in faith um, in a light way where they can control the conversation of how they want to take it. Um, and then I've been getting tons of feedback about the artwork. A lot of people are just like, it's beautiful. I just want to look at it. Um, so many moms, uh, especially black moms, are just excited to have something on their shelf that represents them and their children. And, you know, it also has that lens of faith. I think that's something that's definitely missing from, from the market for sure. And I think, you know, parents, and if we're really going to be in a society that values humanity, if you are a parent without melanin, you know, you don't identify as being black, making sure your children are exposed to art and content and books and music. Uh, music is easy because it's hard to avoid blackness in music. It's hard. That guitar and that, that banjo and the drum come straight from Africa. Like it's hard to avoid <laughs> blackness in music. But I, I feel like there's a willful erasure of of culture, different cultures in homes. Like if you went into my home as a child and looked at the, the number of books I had a Stephen King, I had Judy Bloom, you know, because I was a little fresh mm -hmm. with the Maya Angelos and, you know, everything else. I'm reading about Pippi Longstocking. I think I had a Pippi Longstocking picture book. My first, <laughs> yeah. my first real book, it was, and I still have it. So that's fascinating. My mother bought me a Bible book. I still have that book. I should share it with wow. people, but all the images are white is the point. And it didn't bother my little mind to read about David and Daniel and, and, you know, Goliath, cause those are the stories, mm -hmm. right. Um, that they didn't look like me, even though they probably look like me. That's normal, right. right? There's normal, there's normal to go into a household and maybe see white Jesus on the wall next to JFK back in the fifties and sixties next to Martin Luther King. But I feel like that the same doesn't happen. And that's where the, the fracture happens in society where we are able because of the, the power structure in this country to accept, you know, images and, and storylines that don't include us and find our way through it. But I, I don't know. And maybe I'm wrong. 866-801-8255. I would love to hear from somebody because I know a lot of our listeners are not, uh, you know, quote unquote black. Those of you who were raised in households, did you ever have books, art, images in your house that were not white? 866-801-8255. And did you ever question it? Did it ever cross your mind? You know, because the world is very brown, the entire world. Right. Why is none right. of this brownness uh, represented? Because we play Stevie Wonder. We may have Stevie Wonder in the house, but do we have any books by, you know, anyone that's not white? I just, um, I've just bought a house recently and mm. the house had, yeah. uh, the former, um, owner had wall to wall. I mean, it was like it was my dream house. Cause the bookcases in this house, oh. amazing. Mm. I'm probably not going to be able to live in it for a year. So I'm just, you know, full disclosure. Cause I got a lot of work to do. Person was very old. The house is very old wall to wall books and none of them black. Oh, so wow. the real estate agents, do you want the books? I'm like, no, take every single <laughs> book. I have, I have thousands <laughs> of books. I can fill up every single, I can fill this whole room up with books from people who are not, mm -hmm. I mean, Dean Coons. <laughs> and I love, let me just be real with you. Some of the books might've been really valuable, but on principle that this person lived a whole entire life in this house, maybe 50 years and not one book. And I yeah. looked 
Not one yeah. book by anybody black. Really? Really? How is that possible? How do you not have a Toni Morrison anywhere? How? Right. <laughs> right. It's weird, but not, is it? Is it weird? Like, I don't know how you can have thousands of books and not, not any representation outside yeah, that's of. That's weird. I feel like that's weird. <sighs> 866-801-8255. I guess no one's, you know, uh, brave enough to, because I think these are the conversations we should be having. Just like you, Gina, come into an epiphany in your own house about God, you know, and then like, mm -hmm. mm, not sure. And then coming back to it, I think we should, you know, like, why did I, why was I raised in a house like this? You know, and what did it say about people that they didn't even question, you know, that weren't even curious, like this whole story. I had Piri Thomas down these mean streets, but also Juno Diaz. Also, you know, like I'm, I'm reading books that have Spanish in it, you know, and I'm learning about Trujillo because that's interesting, you know, in addition mm -hmm. to all of the other things, you know, I had to read Call of the Wild, as I mentioned before, and all, Charlotte Bronte and all of these books. But my favorite yeah. book growing up was Tale of Two Cities that I know wasn't <laughs> written for me, but I enjoyed, right. I enjoyed that. Um, and it was, you know, sparked my imagination. And I remember, you know, it sparking my imagination as a teen, as a 12, I guess I'm 13 years old, but I, I don't know how you live a life, not imagining other people in other worlds and other times, even the Hobbit, damn it. They weren't even real people, but we somehow got right. to, I mean, it's, <laughs> so what, what is, what is your daughter reading besides a spoonful of faith, uh, Gina, what, what are you what are you regaling she, her with? Yeah, we're we're working on her right now because she's seven um, and she's, you know, growing up in the middle of the pan pandemic, a distance learning. So she's um, but she's really into graphic novels right now. Mm. Um, and like you said, she's actually uh, reading. She just read a story called Sisters um, and it's 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 about two sisters and kind of big, they go big, bickering back and forth, but it's a graphic novel. So now she's into graphic novels. And now that I know that, um, on top of like all Marvel, anything, that's kind of her thing. Um, we're trying to just see which way we can kind of lead her with, with, with reading. Um, but you know, they're, I don't know, they, they're kind of everywhere with when it comes to things they're interested in. And I'm, I, she actually kind of has inspired me to be like, should I start looking into graphic novels, you know, mm. like illustrating that kind of stuff for a, a little bit older um, child, you know, kid. Yeah, you got to stay ahead of her. You got to. I know. You got to be ready. <laughs> you got to be ready. She's going to be 11 and 12. Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to answer that for you. Yes. Um, and here's and here's why. You know, I remember having this conversation with Dr. Gray Carr in one of our first in class with Carr. And he talked about his love of comic books. And how mm -hmm. his father was like, oh, you reading them funny books again? You know, but it was a comic book that sparked his love of reading and yeah. introduced him to words and people and worlds that then sent him down the rabbit hole. So it doesn't matter what entry point, if it's graphic novels, if it's comic books, if it's funny pages, if yeah. it's whatever can engage your young person with words. That I then, agree, I agree. Yeah. So... So I'm I'm looking forward to you coming back to talk about your graphic novel series. <laughs> Me too. Me too. Okay. All right. Number one woman on again. <laughs> Come on. Gina Holiday. Uh, J E N A Holiday. Two L's. Uh, you can follow her on Twitter. This is a a book published by HarperCollins. Yes. Uh, regular folk don't just get children children's book deals today. 
So who do you know? Like, how did you? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'll say that I know the creator. Honestly, HarperCollins uh, found me and I'm just doing good work, putting good work out there, um, you know, putting my heart and my gift into everything I do. And and I think that's what brought it to me. So. OK, but what really happened, though? <laughs> that is literally what so happened. they just caught did they where did they see your work on pictures like where was it? i mean i shared my work on social media i do share my work on social media okay. i have a website um but i mean i've been running this business for about eight years and we start i got the deal like two and a half years ago so i mean there was a, about six years worth of work you know okay. out there for sure mm -hmm. and, and so i'm imagining that this is because they're not just going to do a one-off so this is part, so there's was part two, three, so there's a spoonful of faith, there's going to be a spoonful right. of sugar, there's going to be a spoonful <laughs> right. of, what's the next spoonful, what are we doing? Man, I mean, my daughter literally said, she started working on another, another version of this book, she wants okay. to see what happens after she goes okay. to school, so um, I'm, I'm hoping, you know, we, we're talking, we're seeing, Okay. so yeah <laughs> it doesn't hurt that it's number one right now in in the area that you are inspiring the in, in children's inspiration it doesn't hurt yes. uh yeah. and i am really proud of this this book in particular but also the whole concept because i do agree that um you know whatever you believe i, I think mm -hmm. to infuse into children a sense of faith because there's yeah. so much unseen that they have yeah. to be able to tap into that that magic that's in the world that we can't quite explain mm -hmm. and have that be the springboard into their lives and to have it with them all the way, that comfort blanket. I think it's important. I do. I do. Yeah. So thank you for uh, providing that in book form with all kind of melanated uh, beauty <laughs> throughout. Uh, this thank is a beautiful you. book. I wish you all the success in the world. Thank you so Thank much you. for being here. Thank you so much, man. Yes, Gina Holiday. Two L's. Follow her, <laughs> J-E-N-A, on the Twitters, Holiday. And uh, SpoonfulOfFaith.com is where you can get it. We, we of course, will tweet out all of the information. Hey, this is Karen Hunter. You can listen to The Karen Hunter Show live every Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. East on Sirius XM Urban View Channel 126 or anytime on the Sirius XM app.